Oh dear. Hey guys, and welcome to the Coffee and Coding Podcast, the show where we discuss everything there is to know about app development. In today's episode, I talk to Android and iOS developer Hage Van Veen. We talk about everything related to code sharing between iOS and Android. Specifically, we discuss Kotlin multi-platform, what it is, how and when to use it, and how Kotlin multi-platform can benefit your multi-platform apps. We also touch a little bit on J2C, which if you don't know, is a Google command line tool that lets you convert Java code written for Android to Objective-C code so it can be used in an iOS app. So if you're someone familiar with working on multi-platform apps and the challenges that entails, then listen closely, as this was definitely an eye-opener for me. Now on to the show. So I guess the first question, if you don't mind, is to kind of start at the start, which is how did you get into development? Um, well, it, it started directly after university. Um, I, I did, a, did, a, did a computer science uh, master, so, so obviously you, you get into the, the development then. Um, and uh, I wasn't sure what to do at first. And I, I was looking into to game design a little bit, but that, that didn't pan out. Um, and it turned out that uh, what, what was going to be or was sort of already uh, one of the largest meal delivery companies in, in uh in continental Europe, um, they they, uh, they were in the town that I was living in at the time, and uh, so I applied there for for a job for for the uh, the first uh, uh, job that that was available, which was an, uh, an Android developer, and that's how I became an Android developer, <laughs> and. Uh, um, then, then from from uh, doing Android development for for a little bit, um, out of necessity, I also became an iOS developer there because it was easier to hire a new Android developer than for me to just teach myself iOS and uh, because it's, you know you sort of already know the platform. Um, and uh, yeah, that's how I became, became also an iOS developer. So you're talking about both natively, right? Yeah, both natively. You know, I've I've never actually done anything with uh, like Xamarin or, or Node.js or like I know from the, those platforms in theory, but I've I've never actually used them. Okay, so you, I assume you started Android with Java. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and then how how soon on the Kotlin bandwagon, or how early on the Kotlin bandwagon were you? Very late, and um, uh, we'll get into we'll get into that one when we talk about what I'm doing with, with native code sharing. Um, but I've actually not only been using Kotlin for like a year or so. So it, it's it's really rel- relatively late. But to me, it, it was a pretty straightforward move since I was already used to Swift. Um, Swift and Kotlin are really, really similar. So essentially, you only have to teach yourself a little bit about coroutines and you're good to go. So side question, if you already know Kotlin, how easy is it to get into iOS development with Swift, or is there a whole another level on top of Swift that you would need to get on board with? Well, and this is something that you'll run into with any code sharing platforms. The biggest differences are are not the language. Like almost every single language is the same. Like if you teach yourself Java, it's not that difficult to get into C plus plus or whatever. Um, there's just some some language differences that you need to take into account. Uh, Obviously, there's memory management, and that's that's a big difference between iOS and Android, because uh, Android's a garbage connector and, and iOS doesn't. So uh, yeah, you have to take that into account. Um, and of course, there's there's just differences in how you build an interface. Uh, 
So, so, so like the whole view lifecycle of, of, of a screen, it's different between Android and iOS. But yeah, basically the, those things are, are, are documented and, and you can teach yourself about it. And, um, I think a lot of developers tend to be like, oh, I'm an Android developer, or I'm an iOS developer. But if you're willing to look at both sides of it, then uh, I, I think you're actually... You, you don't keep become the best Android developer or the best iOS developer, obviously, because you have to distribute your time a little bit. But you, you do become a, a pretty decent app developer, I think, because you know it, it helps you think about how, how the app works and not how the platform works. Yeah, that's a very fair point. Let's dig into what I would say is your, your specialty right now. Kotlin multi-platform. Yes. So the first I've heard of it is very recently. I have a brief idea of how it works, but for people that don't, can you give an overview of what is Kotlin multi-platform and what can you do with it? Yeah, sure. Um, so Kotlin, Kotlin multi-platform is a part of Kotlin. Uh, uh, as you might know, Kotlin is developed by JetBrains, the uh, the developers from for Android Studio, for instance, but also the whole IntelliJ platform. Um, and since they make a bunch of compilers, in, including an, uh, an iOS one with AppCode, uh, they realized, hey, there must be a better way to do things than just to write apps twice. Because that's essentially what's happening with almost every single app that you download in the App Store, right? So if you if you need an app, then someone builds it on Android, and then another one has to port it into iOS, and they basically have to rewrite it from scratch. Um, so, uh, IntelliJ, uh, uh, sorry, JetBrains stuff, there must be a better way. And, uh, and since they make compilers, they, they are pretty capable of doing that. So, what they decided to do is they uh, made, uh, made a compiler that compiles Kotlin code into LLVM code. Uh, for and LLVM is so basically the basically just C code for for uh, for iOS and just playing Kotlin for for Android, of course. And um, Kotlin multi-platform, it, it also works for, for not just for iOS Android, by the way, but also for JavaScript, VCC compiler, whatever you want. Um, so basically, the, the way that it works is, is um, you, you sort of have a different level of abstraction where you can declare that you expect a certain pattern to arise. And uh, you, you declare that expected pattern in your, in your common code. And then you can make a platform-specific code. You can make actual implementations of. So, in that context, sorry to interrupt you. What what is the pattern? So, uh, well, it can be anything actually. Um, so, imagine you. Uh, well, just imagine some architecture that you have. So, you have a view model. You, you you can imagine that you you need something like that, right? And a view model is pretty useful to to write in common code because it contains a bunch of logic, uh, business logic. Uh, it might also just be a model that, that contains some business logic. Um, but now you need to introduce uh, something like permissions. So you need to, uh, your, your view model needs to require permissions to access the camera or whatever. Um, now, obviously, the, the way permissions work is different between Android and iOS, right? Um, but the, the pattern for the, for the view model might be the same. So it's just, I want a permission and you'll get a callback. And I gotcha. So, so, so your pattern would say, I want permission, and then you implement how you get the permission or you handle the permission on the platform specifically. Exactly. So by, by doing so, you, you're basically, you, um, you have to write your business logic, with, which doesn't care about how you get the permission. You only have to write that once. And uh, you can write the platform-specific uh, uh, levels twice, obviously. 
um, but it reduces a lot of code uh, actually uh, it, it yeah it, it allows you to to reduce your 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 your, your patterns and uh, that's going to be very useful if you if you really want to do do code sharing so I already mentioned, like, I'm, I'm pretty late in, in Kotlin, right? And one of the reasons for that is, and I'm going to sidetrack this a little bit to, to explain the, the, the journey here. Before I used Kotlin Native, um, uh, I, I was working on an app, and we, we had, like, this, this very complex app. So we had, like, signal processing and Bluetooth connections. And so we were actually Internet of Things uh, connecting with the device. Um, and as you can imagine, that's pretty pro, right? So you sort of don't want to write it twice because if you have two developers writing each writing it, then you have two potential points of, of bugs. And that, that's sort of what you don't want. Um, and at that time, Kotlin wasn't even a thing yet. So Kotlin uh, multi-platform also wasn't there yet. But uh, Google actually had a library once upon a time, or it still has, but it's not that widely used anymore called... Uh, J to Objective C, and it was a transpiler. So that literally transpiled uh, the Java code that you wrote completely into into uh, Objective C code, actually. And, and, and it, it was a proper transpilation. So it actually threw null pointers if you had a uh, null pointer, which is not something that Objective C should do, but it did. Um, so realized, hey, this is pretty useful. Uh, we, we can use this to, to make this, this whole complex app, just make the, the complex parts once, and, and then basically write interfaces on top of it. Um, now obviously, since this is J to Objective-C, Java to Objective-C, it didn't work with Kotlin, so that's why I was late into the, the whole Kotlin uh, flow. Because, yeah, basically, uh, as soon as Kotlin came out, we couldn't do anything with it, except maybe write a few interfaces, but at that point, that didn't really make all that much sense. So um, then Kotlin multi-platform came along, and that made since we are already have like experience with this whole, whole uh, what I call native code sharing setup, we we started moving into Kotlin uh, multi-platform, and uh, yeah, it's been proving pretty pretty useful for us as well. Um, it's newish and uh, still very experimental. Um, but but it, it's also uh, yeah it, it reduces a lot of workload as long as you you have developers that have Android and iOS developers that are willing to work together. Yeah, I gotcha. Okay, so I have a bunch of questions on that. So the first one is just for clarity, Kotlin multi-platform is to share essentially business logic and not building UIs and stuff on two separate platforms. Uh, yes and and sort of no. Like uh, so, Kotlin, Kotlin multi-platform. It actually on the on the platform specific levels, it does have full access to to all the platform libraries. So uh, you can actually you can write a few controller and activity. So there is that there is that option to do it, but it's not. I suppose it's not built for that in the same way that Xamarin or React Native was built for cross-platform. No, and, and, and like there's there's a bunch of people that say that it actually should work pretty well with Flutter. So you can you can you can imagine that you that you write your your interface components in Flutter and your business logic in uh, a Kotlin multi-platform. I, I haven't tried that yet, but theoretically that should be possible. Uh, so yeah, it, it's really useful for for indeed sharing your business logic, and it's not since it's not just iOS and Android related, but also Java related. Uh, you can also imagine that you write your data models uh, and share them between your backend and your front. 
So you might have some business logic that uh, both sides need, need to do in terms of convers- uh, conversion or whatever. Um, you, you can also write that. So in theory, you could write a piece of business logic that could live on a web app, on an iOS app, and an Android app, the exact same logic. Exactly. So then you could have essentially any of those team of developers could update the business logic and it would update for everyone. Exactly. Yeah. And you have, yeah, you can just run tests and you can run tests on, on your iOS piece of code and, and on your Android code to make sure that it actually runs on, on those platforms properly. Okay. So I guess the next question is how easy is it to get started with Kotlin multi-platform in terms of, so firstly, how do I get started? And then how do I get whatever I've just written into an Android and an iOS app? So it's all mostly through Gradle. So you can just, you can basically, as long as you have Android Studio installed and you have Kotlin in there, um, you can just uh, implement the multi-platform plugin and you're basically good to go. Um, obviously, there's some Gradle setups that you need to do and um, yeah, I'm not going to give you the exact details because it's easier to just, just read it because I don't know them from the top of my head either. Um, but yeah, basically, just go to the Kotlin website and, there's a pretty easy to look tutorial there too. So I assume I create like a Kotlin project or I could create a Kotlin project. You've got the multi-platform plugin. You can write your code. Yeah. How does that work in terms of, for example, if I wrote a Java library, it would create a jar and then I could export that to iOS or I could export that to Android or whatever. So how would that work in terms of, how does how does that deploy to different things? Does like iOS import the project or is there a file that imports or how does that work? Yeah, so it, it sort of depends. Uh, like, obviously, you, you can't import everything because if something has, a, has an Android-specific dependency, then uh, then obviously it won't work. Um, but it can you, you can import basically any Gradle, uh, any any Kotlin, Kotlin project through Gradle if, if it's just common Kotlin multi-platform. Um, there's a bunch of libraries right now. It's, it's not the biggest set yet, but uh, you can get there. Uh, uh, you can also import things specifically for Android and, and for iOS. Um, so if if you need like Coin, for instance, you you can do that on Android. Um, and uh, on iOS, you can actually just import uh, any uh, uh, any Objective C framework as well. So just grab anything that you want. Um, the only thing it doesn't support yet is full on Swift libraries. Would you say that? The Kotlin multi-platform right now, is that, like, if I was going to use it, is it production ready or is it beta or is it, what's what's the status? Like, would you put this in a production app? We have, the company I work for, we have it running in some production apps and it, has, it is working. Uh, so in that sense, it's production ready. However, it should be noted that, that it's still very much in flux. So the, the language that changes a lot, like Kotlin itself is, is, is still very much a language that's changing a lot. And that's even more true for multi-platform. So actually, they released uh, a new version, or yeah, they released a new version of Kotlin uh, 1.4 uh, today, uh, and that's also including some new, uh, some new very important multi-platform things. For instance, uh, up until now, it wasn't possible to use suspend functions on the Swift side. So yeah, it sort of depends on what you want. If you want a very straightforward. Uh, 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 yeah, some some basic business sharing. Then it's definitely pretty useful. Uh, if you if you want to do some some uh, more complex things, and I think we should get into the, the disadvantages in a bit there. Then those are things that you need to consider, uh, and that you might want to consider uh, delaying it a little bit. But it's definitely worth experimenting with, uh, I think. And if you're starting a new new app project, then you should definitely consider 
uh, code sharing in the first place, I think. Like, it, it makes no sense to a customer to say, oh, uh, um, I'm going to build it up for you, but I need uh, twice the amount of people that, that you want because I need to buy the app twice. And, like, if, if you have a big project, it doesn't make sense. So let's say you are starting a new app and like you said, code sharing makes sense if you can do it because you don't want to have to write everything twice. So would you start with, would Kotlin multi-platform be your go-to for that code sharing or would it be something else? For now, yeah, definitely a Kotlin multi-platform. Yeah. Um, I've been working with it for, for, for a while now and I'm actually working on the library to make things easier for everyone. Uh, so uh, I just recently finished the uh, the MVVM uh, architecture components for it. So um, yeah, once all that's ready, um, I also hope I can share it with more people and uh, everybody can start using it. Because yeah, I really think it's going to be it's potentially going to be the future. So I can see that the use case for code sharing in terms of you know business logic, just basic business logic. You know, if this happens, then do something, and you want it to be the same on both platforms, so it's not buggy on one. But what's some of the more either more complicated or more interesting use cases that you've used it for, or that you've seen other people using it for? So yeah, one of the more more interesting I think right now is, uh, for instance, we're working on a, on a Bluetooth library, a Bluetooth library. Um, Bluetooth is actually pretty complex, and I'm, I'm sure everybody who's been following all the, these COVID-19 tracking apps is, is pretty aware of it by now. It, it's complex, and also, basically, on both iOS and Android, the Bluetooth libraries are a mess. Like, like they're, they're pretty terrible, actually. Uh, <laughs> so, um, we've actually been porting the, the, the Bluetooth library into like this, this really nice... Uh, uh, the flow, uh, flowable version of, of Bluetooth, where you can just say, I want to flow of all my Bluetooth devices and you can just grab it. And um, it, it just works like it pings you for permissions, it sends you uh, all the data that you want. And yeah, so it, it, it takes you a while to obviously get there. Uh, but then once you have it, you have a, like just a Bluetooth library that works natively uh, for both platforms. And you can do common things with it. You can just say, okay, I want for whatever Bluetooth device that I get, I want to read the characteristics and uh, update it and uh, whatnot. So based on that, essentially, if you put the time in, you could abstract a lot of what you can do on an OS away from the OS level and essentially end up with just a library that does all of these different things and all you would have to write natively is the UI. Yeah, that's that's basically what what I'm advocating. Yeah, so I I think since I've been the the J two C one, I've been doing that for like five years now. So in, in that sense, I'm I'm pretty well familiar with with how to do code sharing as a whole. And what I've learned is is that you really need to think about a proper architecture that that works for both about uh, platforms, and that's usually going to be MVVM because that's just the easiest one to do. Um, but if you do that, and if you do it properly, then you can write your view models and anything below it in, uh, in, in your, your Kotlin or your, your code shared language. And you just have to do some platform-specific things like, oh, how, does, uh, how do I grab permissions and, uh, and, and some other stuff. Like, I think even for networking, there's like a Kotlin multi-platform library that you can use. So you don't even need to worry about that. 
already handled for you. Yeah, I was just thinking that if you could do Bluetooth, then you could definitely do networking. And then essentially you could abstract everything away apart from the really specific things, like the differences between the two platforms. That obviously there's no point being multi-platform if one platform doesn't have it. That's really interesting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to think because there's definitely more. I, I guess I'll just ask you, how do you see this maturing and how do you see, so for example, Kotlin works for Android, but it wasn't officially supported. And then it got a bit more supported and a bit more supported. And now it's baked into Android Studio. So how do you see from the way that Kotlin multi-platform is progressing now that going and do you think it's always going to be this side bit that you can add to projects or do you see it being more widely adopted where it's kind of baked into Xcode or Android Studio or or web project uh, web development tools? Well, I, I definitely think that that's the goal of JetBrains. So JetBrains is pretty focused on getting this, this out there, right? Um, since they're probably the most powerful uh, IDE maker in the world right now, they have a pretty uh, heavy, um, they have a good foot to put down on the, on the skills. I do think, however, that since we're talking also about Apple, that making it an official iOS language is probably a bridge too far for, for a very long time. Um, so will, will it be the, the proper standard for iOS development? No, not in the first few years. But it's already in Android Studio, and uh, you can already like. I think you can even in Android Studio basically just click and do give me a multi-platform project, and you get it. So, uh, and if it's not in Android Studio, then it's definitely in IntelliJ itself. So, yeah, it's it's gonna be a reasonable expectation from from an IntelliJ's perspective to uh, say that that's gonna be how you're gonna set up your your apps uh, uh, from now on. Uh, of course, that also depends on how many libraries there are, and um, that's going to take a while because it's a new language, and well, it's not really a new language, but it's a new, new, uh, new way of thinking. Obviously, and that takes some time to mature. To um, yeah. you still have to do a lot of inventing the wheel yourself right now because nobody has done it before. So, just aside from the Kotlin multi-platform, so you've you've obviously done like JCC and you've worked on code sharing a lot in between different iOS and Android apps, which is something that I've not done everywhere that I've ever worked. It's been two different platforms with two different code bases. And, you know, it works on one and then it doesn't work on the other because we've implemented things slightly differently. So let's say you've got two apps and they've both been built separately and they're fairly mature apps. And as you move forward, would you personally look to stripping out the business logic between the apps into a shared component or would you say, you know, they're already separate, so let's keep them separate and move them forward in that direction? I definitely consider it. Like, I'm, I'm running into that where the, where the project I'm doing as well right now. And it's like, there's, they're basically, there are two apps and they have two different architectures. So they're completely different. They need to do exactly the same, but they're, they're clearly written by two different developers. And then uh, there's developers left and, and then uh, me and my company, we came in. Uh, and... Um, not my company, but the company I work for. Um, <laughs> but uh, so then, then, then we came in and we're obviously like, okay, now we have to do uh, do this upkeep again, and we sort of don't want to do this because it's in the long run, it's it's a waste of time to write apps twice. So yeah, if you have a mature app and you know I'm gonna be maintaining it for the next two years, then definitely consider it. Especially if you already have like an MVVM-like solution, and at least one of them, 
like if it's already a Kotlin MVVM model, then it's it's super straightforward. If it's just Swift, then it's a bit less straightforward, but also pretty decent support because, as already mentioned, Swift and Kotlin are virtually the same, except for some differences. Um, so I think the upgrade is actually, if you have a really decent mature code base, it's not that as painful as you might imagine it is. Um, yeah, obviously start small, but uh, so, so start with just doing it for one screen. But uh, if if you do it for if you're in it for the long term, then yeah. Okay, makes sense. Makes sense. So in terms of the the actual Kotlin multi-platform itself, you've talked a lot about the the positives. But what would you say are the key drawbacks right now of going in that direction? Um, well, one of the drawbacks is obviously, as I already mentioned, that it's still very much in flux. So uh, yeah, you should you should expect that. That JetBrains is going to release a new version of Kotlin, and your your half of your project breaks. That's going to happen, and uh, I, I can promise you that's going to happen. going to happen a lot in the in the next few years. Um, the other thing, uh, and the, the biggest thing, I think that's that's holding a lot of developers back, and especially iOS developers, is the memory. So um, I'm I'm not sure how familiar uh, the listeners are with 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 the iOS. Uh, uh, memory model, but you have automatic reference counting, right? So in, in, in Swift code, it's basically you have a reference counter and it goes up if you reference to it and it goes out if you, you stop referencing to it, whereas Scotland has a garbage collector. And Kotlin uh, Multi-Platform actually also has a garbage collector, even for, for code that you uh, created from Swift. So the, the garbage collector is there. You don't really need to take into account uh, automatic reference counting. Um, but uh, in order to make it work, Jet, uh, JetBrains had to make a few, uh, a few, yeah, uh, they they ran into some issues, or and they yeah some limitations. And the biggest limitation for that is that they actually use uh, memory freezes. And by that what we mean is that um, if you run two things on two different threads, then you then a variable is either uh, uh, immutable. Or it's uh, it's shared across multiple threads. Uh, yeah. So it, as as soon as you want to want to share it, then you need to make it immutable, and you can never make it mutable. Uh, um, that's obviously a very big limitation if you're uh, uh, yeah if, if you run into threading issues. Uh, now, what we've seen is is that actually as long as you use coroutines. It's not that big of a deal because basically with coroutines, since they're already like like these small mini threads, you can all run them on the main thread and it's all still working. Um, nevertheless, you need to consider you need to take into it uh, to take it into account that uh, yeah. obviously your your memory is going to be a bit tricky. And uh, I think the third thing is, is that it really requires you to have a basic understanding of both Android and iOS. That's always going to be the, the case when, when, when code sharing comes in, because there's always a limitation of what, what Android can do or what iOS can do. Um, and obviously, once you're abstracting things, you need also need to abstract things that platform can and cannot do. Um, and uh, so that means a lot of conversation. If you're an Android developer who has never touched an iOS app, then yeah, you need an iOS developer to, to help you there. And vice versa. Um, so uh, yeah, that that's a bit of a drawback. Uh, I think it's actually for 
it's actually good in the long run because you should be an app developer, not not an Android or an iOS developer, in my opinion. So just jump into that memory issue quickly. What would be a practical example of that? Is it is it kind of like um you know you're doing something on a thread, say networking, and then you want to switch to a different thread because you need to do some data manipulation, so you have to make the response from the networking mutable, or or am I getting that confused? Yeah, basically that. Uh, but but it's already even complex that that uh, if you want to pass a closure to it, then that's obviously also a variable or, or something in memory. So that's also frozen, and this actually breaks. So if you if you pass a closure from from uh, one thread to another, it just it kills itself. It doesn't work. Um, so yeah, you need to be aware of in which thread you're running. But again, with co- with coroutines, it doesn't really matter because you shouldn't care what thread it's running anyway. Okay, so it's less it's a disadvantage, but it's more it's just if you're aware of it, it's less of a disadvantage. Yeah, it's it's something you need to be aware of, and it it can be can be tricky, and it, it you sort of need to break your 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 old memory patterns. You really need to understand coroutines uh, if you want to use Kotlin multi-platform. Have you ever worked with Xamarin or a native or React Native, or do you have any opinion of how that compares in terms of using that as opposed to this approach where you have two separate apps, but they share code as opposed to one code base that deploys to two separate applications? Yeah, as mentioned, I've, I've really never used Xamarin so, or, or something similar, so I'm, I can't really give you an expertise opinion in it other than that, that my experience as a user is that you sort of always notice that it's a you it, can tell yeah right like i i, I have uh, i have this uh, this app for keybase like the the, the 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 chat app and it's like if you scroll through the messages it just jumps up and down and you can just tell that it's a uh, it's a node.js i think like you, you can just feel that that something's wrong there um native code has less of that because the interface is still native and so it, it just works it basically it, it it runs like it should run because it's it's still basically the platform. Yeah. 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 I gotcha. All right. So some quick fire questions, which is more about you than multi-platform, and then at the end you can tell us because I know you're you're doing a talk if that event is still on. Um, is it this month or next month? Um, yeah, I'm I'm supposed to speak about this at uh, AppDevCon in Amsterdam in September, but yeah. Uh, since uh, in the Netherlands uh, over here the the lockdown is or the uh, events are still on, on, on hold until the start of September. I'm sort of anticipating that that won't go through, but you never know. Um, so, but yeah, uh, if it, if it's going to be held this year, then I'll be there hopefully. Um, and um, what you can also find me uh, for is I already sort of mentioned that I was working on the library. It's uh, it's called Kaluga. With a K, like every single Kotlin library, of course. Um, and um, it's it's not fully production ready yet, but it's it's still very much in the in development. But please have a look if, if for anyone who's interested. Um, and uh, yeah, we really hope that that we can sort sort of make all these uh, annoying uh, Kotlin multi-platform uh, things that everybody needs to do, like the permissions request and, uh, and uh, like I mentioned, I mentioned Bluetooth and. I mentioned MVVM. We sort of want to to make it all just once and make it good and make sure that, that people can use it if they want to. And um, then they can focus on actually just writing those nice Kotlin multi-platform apps rather than making the architecture components to, to do so. 
so hopefully hopefully that that will uh will take off a little bit uh, we, we hope it will <laughs> yeah fingers crossed I'll, I'll link it to the the show notes for this episode so people can definitely find find it and go and have a look so just a, a random fun one is what machine do you use to work on um i just work on a macbook like uh, I, I just checked it for you it's a it's a 2018 one so it's not even the newest one a pretty decent processor now and it doesn't really like me compiling both Android and iOS at the same time. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> does the job. Yeah, it does the job. It's um, like with the COVID nineteen. Obviously, we're working from home right now, and uh, so it's. Uh, and I also I work a lot in, in product transport, so it, it really helps me a lot if I'm just on the on the MacBook where I can just uh, yeah uh, work work on the fly. And obviously a MacBook because I'm also an iOS developer, so I wouldn't work with a Linux or Windows machine because then that would just be horrible for, for my iOS development. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned about it's good to be an app developer and not necessarily, you know, restrict yourself to I'm an Android or an iOS developer. So what are any kind of like tools or tips or tricks or or things that you think people should know if they want to become an app developer? So they don't just want to be Android, they don't just want to be iOS. Like what would be the key thing that you would say you should be familiar with or you should know or to, to, to me it's really just just know how the life cycle works like if you know if you know how the life cycle works in android and if you know how it works in ios then all the rest it's pretty straightforward and i think the second thing is if you want to be a good app developer you learn a decent architecture just don't just write uh, everything in your your massive view control activity or whatever like Teach yourself a, a, a good architecture. I don't care if it's Viper or MVVM or well, MVP. I know, but <laughs> whatever you pick, pick it and do it well, and um, and try to teach yourself about what what makes platforms the same and also what makes it different. And um, then uh, you should be good to go. I think. What do you think? And this is just general development. What do you think? separates an okay developer from a great developer communication basically just make sure that that's uh if you have an issue if or if you have an idea that you can make yourself understandable to to another developer if you make something um you sort of the, the other developer should be able to understand it right now and they should be able to understand it in two years time just don't assume that that because you can do it right now that yeah we're gonna others can can understand what you're doing. So uh, yeah, be communicative. That's I think the, the biggest, most important thing. Okay, so we know, fingers crossed, maybe you'll be speaking at App DevCon in September. Mm -hmm. So last thing is, where can people find you, or where would you like people to find you online? Um, so um, you you can follow me on uh, Twitter. That's Dada eighty eight D A E D A eight eight. Um, I work for a company called Splendo. Uh, we're always hiring, so have a look at our website, splendo.com. We're based in uh, here in the Netherlands, uh, for for those who might not know. Um, yeah, you you can always find me there as well. Um, I, I think that's that's the easiest way to get a hold of me. Or if you want to shoot me an email with questions about this, it's guys at splendo.com. Is there anything that you wanted to mention that? I didn't ask. No, I think I think this was a pretty clear conversation of, of uh, what I can tell you about the uh, Kotlin multi-platform. Just go try it and, uh, and and see if you like it. 
Big thanks to today's guest, Hage Van Veen. You can follow him on Twitter at D-E-A-D-A-88 or follow the link in the show notes if that's easier. No, that's definitely easier. And you can find the Kaluga library he mentioned at github.com slash splendo slash Kaluga. As always, you can find everything we talked about in this episode in the show notes. If you like the show, tell a friend and don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating. It's much appreciated. And if you really like the show, you can support it with a coffee donation at coffeeencodingpod.com slash buymecoffee. Caffeine is literally what fuels this podcast. If you'd like to connect with like-minded developers, you can do so in our Facebook community. And finally, you can follow me on your favorite social media platform at lowcarbrob. You can find all the links to everything I've just said in the show notes or at coffeeencodingpod.com. Thank you for listening and I'll catch you on the next episode of the Coffee Encoding Podcast.